Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. called Vital Signs from the, God, the book of 1 John. So today we're going to go into the book of 2 John. 2 John verse 1. To the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not I only, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace Mercy and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ and the Son of the the Father in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Verse 6, And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you, Amen. The book of 2 John is the second shortest book in the Bible. Next week we will cover the shortest book in the Bible, 3 John. These two books, 2 John and 3 John, could be called, I guess today they would be postcard letters. It's been estimated, or the guesswork is, because nobody knows for sure, that the length of these letters was determined by the standard size of a piece of papyrus paper. This letter is only 245 words in the Greek. Third John is, I think, 239 words in the Greek. So they're very short, one-page letters of exhortation to the church. 
The elect lady that is mentioned here most likely is reference to a local church where John was the elder. And it says that this local church must continue to walk in the truth, continue to love one another, be on guard against false teachers, and they must not extend hospitality to those who deny that Jesus came in the flesh. That's the book of 2 John. John builds this epistle around several key words. He uses the word truth five times. Four times just in the introduction. He uses the word love four times. Truth and love is the main theme of 2 John. He also uses the word commandment four times. He uses the word walk three times and the word teaching three times. And then John in 1 John and 2 John uses a word that is only found in these two letters and that is the word antichrist. It appears in 1 John 2.18, 2.22, 4.3 and here in 2 John Verse 7. And every time John uses this word antichrist, it is talking about these false teachers or these deceivers who have come in saying that Jesus did not come in the flesh. Again, John references the members of this church as his children showing that his close, intimate relationship with them. I interact with all of you that have children. I interact with your children more like a grandpa, but they're not my kids. See, my kids I can discipline. Your kids I don't. Okay? And John is talking to this church as his children, and he is telling them some things like a father would tell a son or a daughter. And he tells them, walk in the truth. Obey God's commandments. Love one another and guard the teachings of Christ. There's several contrasts in this letter. And a commentary I read by Sherman and Tuggy gives five of them. There is the contrast of those who walk in truth, verse 4, is contrasted against those who reject the truth, verse 7, and they, can, they fail to continue in the teachings of Christ. The second contrast is received, the command received in the beginning, verses 5 and 6, is contrasted against the teaching which has gone and betrayed that Christ came in the flesh. The third contrast is works to be rewarded versus wicked works. You know, there are things that we do for God that we will be rewarded for. There are things we do in the flesh 
that we do out of the sin nature that will not be rewarded. The fourth contrast, it contrasts those who continue in Christ against those who do not continue in Christ. And lastly, it contrasts those who refuse to welcome a false teacher against those who welcome and participate in the false teaching. So those are some of the contrasts that we see in this passage of Scripture. So let's look first three verses. The salutation is a matter of truth. John uses the word truth four times in this salutation, and there is a reason for that. Because the false teachers were not teaching the truth. They were teaching error that Jesus did not come in the flesh. He was not man. First John says he loves this church and the members. He loves them and he is writing to them and he's correcting some things because he loves them. I think it was James Dobson that wrote a book many years ago, Tough Love. I can't remember, but it was about sometimes love is tough on your kids. I said sometimes love is tough on your kids when they don't do bad or when they don't do good when they do bad. I can remember the... My dad's favorite saying, I've said this many times and I'll keep saying it, he loved this little phrase, if I apply the board of education to the seat of learning, I can change behavior. (laughs) The board of education to the seat of learning and he could change my mind, change my attitude. How many of you, God has ever had to apply the Board of Education to you? (laughs) How about this week? (laughs) But John is writing that he loves them and he he loves them in truth. He says, I am excited that you know the truth. See, part of the false teaching was that only a select few, only those that were ordained, only those that had their seminary degrees could know the truth. And then it was up to them to tell you what the truth was. But John is saying, we all know the truth. We have it. Let me ask you, how many of you own a Bible? Let me see your hand. How many of you have more than one? More than five? How many of you have more than one translation? Okay. Almost everybody's raised their hand so far on something there. Now here's the the kicker. How many of you read it? That's wonderful. Now here's the, the real where the rubber meets the road. How many of you do it? 
<laughs> How many of you do it sometimes? <laughs> How many of you do it all the time? Oh, no liars. Awesome. Because <laughs> none of us do it all the time. We hope to get to that place to where we do it all the time. But we know the truth. I'm responsible to teach you the truth. You're responsible to only receive truth. And John said, not only did they know the truth, but the truth abides in them. God's truth abides in us. How many of you have ever encountered a situation where you're getting ready to do something, and inside you know, ah, shouldn't do that. See, that's the truth that's abiding in us, that's telling us, no, that's not what God wants you to do. You need to do something else. But I'll have to confess to you, sometimes, even when I have that, I still eat the third piece of cake. See, that's good, because last week we determined the second piece was okay, right, David? Okay. <laughs> It's the temptations, that third piece of cake we shouldn't eat. But every now and then, every now and then, we succumb to the flesh. I was talking to someone recently, and we were talking about struggling, and I said one of the keys that I found to be able to overcome some things that I do that I don't want to do is every time that thought comes, let it be a trigger to start praying. And after a while, the devil will quit pushing that button because the last thing he wants to do is get you to pray. You can't sleep at night? Don't take a sleeping pill. Start reading the Word. Start praying. The enemy will do whatever he can to put you to sleep because he doesn't want you in the Word. When you see someone that just you see them and something inside goes, oh. y'all are all laughing like maybe I'm not the only one that it ha happens to. Let that be a trigger to bless them and pray for them. Because I've learned something about God and about me. It's very hard to be angry with someone that I'm praying for. Amen? Because see, the truth abides in us. And then he gives them a blessing. Grace, mercy, and peace. We must follow the truth, have love for God and one another, and then we receive this blessing from God. And it's interesting, this is the only place in 1st, 2nd, or 3rd John that he mentions God's mercy. Don't know if that's significant or not, 
but it was pointed out in one of the commentaries. See, their relationship was founded on truth, and truth is founded in God. So every relationship we have must be originally founded in God. Because when our relationship is founded in God, it's founded on truth, and they shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Set us free. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then the second section of this little letter is called Walking in Truth, verses 4 through 6. For I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth. That statement stopped me in my tracks. Here John is writing to the church, and he says, I rejoice greatly that I found some of your members walking in truth. That should sober us up. You know, you would think since it seems like this is a church that John may have been an elder in or a leader of, he would have said, I rejoice greatly that all of you walk in truth. But no, he rejoiced greatly that some walked in truth as they had received the commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have found from the beginning, that you love one another. This is love, and we walk according to his commandments. And this is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So from the context of these scriptures, it's almost like John is saying, I rejoice greatly because I found some of the members of the church actually love one another. Hopefully we all love one another. John commends them for walking in the truth. And he says that by walking in the truth, it means that they kept the commandments of God. How foolish and how prideful to tamper with the truth by seeking to alter the commandments of God to fit into our own church doctrines or our own fads or opinions. We were part of a network for a while, and there was a teaching, which was a good teaching, but the man that was proposing this teaching stretched a lot of scriptures to make it fit that teaching. There were a lot of good verses that the teaching was based on, but you don't stretch every verse in the Bible to make it fit a certain teaching. We have to make sure that we seek to obey the Word the way it's written. If it doesn't say it, don't claim it, okay? Don't try to make Scripture fit 
your theology or your thought. Let your thoughts and your theology fit Scripture. Okay? In these first two sections, the, the introduction and the second section, we discover a few things. Number one, Jesus is real. Let me say that again. Jesus is real. Say it like you believe it. Jesus is real. Amen. Amen. The Word is true. Amen. Jesus is real and the Word is true. It's not what I wish were true or what I feel is true that determines what is true. I told you the story a few weeks ago about my belief beyond a shadow of a doubt when I was a kid that if I put a red cape on and got on my roof and slid down the roof, I could fly like Superman. And I believed it with all my heart. Our house is big. The eave of the roof is about 15 feet above the ground. And I got to the top of the two-story roof. And you have about 70 feet of running room. And you can get up some speed, believe me. It's a tin roof with flip-flops on. You can get up there. And when you launch yourself, have you ever watched ski jumping in the Olympics? Well, that's what it's like. And my belief that I could fly wasn't true. I wanted it to be true. I believed it was true. But the truth of gravity overcame my mistaking truth and belief that I could fly. And I had a sudden awakening As soon as my feet left the edge of the roof, gravity took over. And very quickly, I met the ground and learned the truth. (laughs) I cannot fly. (laughs) Okay? So just because I want it to be true doesn't make it true. Truth has already been determined. Today, many like to say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Then you can be sincerely wrong if it doesn't line up with the truth of God's Word. John says, this is love that you do or walk according to God's commandments. The real test of faith and love comes in the application of Scripture. When I come to this book, does it change my behavior? Does it change my attitude? Does it change the way I treat other people because the application of the word is what is really truth and love 
Love is demonstrated through real world obedience. It's great that you can come in this room every Friday and fellowship and love one another. But that's not the real world test of truth. It's how do you treat the guy on Sunday morning or Monday morning or Tuesday morning at work? How do you treat the person that got the promotion that you should have gotten? Or how do you treat the guy that's walking in the office that you're walking out of because you've been let go and now he's taking your place? Love is demonstrated through real world obedience. That we would obey and honor the one who has given all for us. Amen. And then the last section, verses are 7 through 9. Not the last, but the next section. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we have worked for, but we, that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. And he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. See, the reason that John gives so much attention to truth and the commandments and obeying them is the very real danger that existed at that time by these false teachers bringing in a different gospel. They were called Antichrist. They had gone out into the world showing that they had once been part of the church. And they were denying that Jesus came in the flesh. They said that which was divine could not become mortal flesh. Jesus wasn't really here. His body was an illusion, and he did not really die. That was basically what the Gnostics at that time were teaching. And these teachers were called the Antichrist. Now, I may get some emails or some WhatsApps on this next statement, and that's okay. Send them on, I'll answer them. Nowhere in Scripture is the Antichrist called some world leader who will come at some future date. The word Antichrist is only used in these two things. The only place that it could possibly, the reference come from, is in chapter John, 1 John 2, I think it's 18, let's see. Yes. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, which we know that is the last hour. Now, in different books of the Bible, it talks about the man of sin is going to come, the man of perdition. There's all these different names of some world ruler who will at one time come to rule the world. 
men have put together the end time teaching and said that's going to be the Antichrist. All I'm telling you is that's not what the Bible says, okay? So you can do with that what you want. The Bible says that anybody that is a false teacher is an Antichrist. That simply means against Christ. The word Antichrist is used seven times in 1 John and 2 John, and every time it talks about false teachers. So that you may have to now go home and rethink or restudy your eschatology to see if what I if the Bible has it differently, I don't know. That's that's between you and God. John says, watch yourselves, be careful, look out for yourselves, because it would be possible to lose what we have already accomplished. And here's what the commentators say about it. Some commentators say that we're in danger of losing part of the reward at the judgment seat of Christ. Some commentators say we're in danger of losing all of our rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. And others say we are in danger of losing our very salvation at the judgment seat of Christ. Scripture really doesn't say. But he does say watch out for yourselves because it is possible to lose everything you've worked for. I think of men of God I'd known that have fallen into sin, built huge ministries, had great preaching ministries, big churches. They fall into sin and end up losing everything that they've worked for. You know, the Bible says when we stand before God on judgment day, there will be some things that are hay, wood, and stubble, and they will be consumed. There are other things that will be gold and precious jewels that will survive the fire. So just watch yourself that you're not building with hay, wood, and stubble, but gold and precious jewels for God. Verses 10 and 11 says, Do not participate in another man's evil deeds. If anyone comes to you, and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your houses, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. In other words, John is telling the church, don't have false teachers come. You know, Dell and I as pastors, we have to be very careful who we allow to come and to preach to you. Because we are responsible as the shepherds of this flock to make sure that you are fed good food. We don't want you to get a diet of junk food. Okay? We don't want you to rely on Talibot for everything you, you get. There's a lot of people that do that. They don't come to church. They just talib or Google it. Okay? Have church at home. That, that's okay if you need to from time to time. But he, Paul says, don't 
engage with these false teachers because when you do, you are encouraging them and you are a partaker of that false teaching. It's like in America, I don't know about the country where you come from, but if I am the driver of the getaway car in a bank robbery and we get caught, I'm just as guilty of bank robbing as the guy that was inside the bank because I was an accessory to the crime, okay? If we are supporting and helping false teachers, then we are guilty of that false teaching as well. And then lastly, the greetings, verse 12 and 13. Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. John's desire is to speak to them face to face. Be careful with social media and email. If you would not say it to the person face to face, don't put it on Facebook, WhatsApp, or email. John says, I've got a lot of things I want to tell you, but I can't do it in a letter. We need to do it face to face. It's very hard counseling people over the telephone. Because we, we can't see the reaction. You, you can't really see what they're going through. There are some things that need to be done face to face. John says if they would come together face to face, then their joy could be full. That's why I like gathering together. Friday service, tomorrow night with the men. That just something, when we all get together, that our joy can be full. I may be going through something very bad, and somebody will just come up and say, Oh, Pastor, I prayed for you this week. Well, that just, you know, hey, I'm not in this by myself. Or I can be going through something and come to one of you and say, Hey, I'm going through this. Would you pray with me? Because we are a family and we stand together. And when we come together face to face, then our joy could be full. John then gives the greetings from other churches and he ends this little letter. Very short letter. Let me give you some application questions to think about. How do you feel... When others around you succeed and you don't. Do we find joy in those that we pour our lives into when they succeed beyond us? You know, one of the things is a as a missionary, and our oldest son is now a missionary in Africa, kind of, he's now running the ministry that we had in Kenya, and he's doing way more 
than we ever thought of doing with media and things like that. And I rejoice because of that. We turned our ministry over when we left in 2002 to an African brother, Wallace. Within two years, Wallace had almost doubled the number of outreach that we had. Well, I didn't get jealous and, oh, you know, I'm going to cut him off because look how good. No, I'm excited. You know, when our kids do better than us, we get excited. Now, parents, be, be honest with me. How many of you desire for your chi children to have a better life than you had? All of us. So in ministry, how much more should we desire for those that we are mentoring and we are pouring into to do better than we do? And then here's the last one. Are you willing to invest the time and the effort in the truth to live rightly before God so that you can teach others how to do it. Many times we think that learning scripture is like I thought learning the guitar. I bought a really nice Alvarez guitar when I was about 10 years old and sat it in the closet thinking that every time I walked by the closet, maybe something was going to jump out at me and one day I was going to pick it up and play it. Had that guitar for a long time, took it to Africa with me and ended up giving it away to a missionary. It's 20-something years later. Still had the original strings on it. I never did learn to play the guitar. You know why? I never picked it up. I never invested time and effort to learn it. Are you willing to invest the time and the effort to learn this word so that you then can teach it to others? Let's pray. Father, we just come to you. We thank you for this time. Father, we ask your blessings upon your word. That, Father, you would seal your word by your spirit in our hearts and help us to understand that we must walk in love and truth and love one another. We must reject all false teaching that comes our way. Father, help us to guard our minds and guard our hearts against the false teachings that come out so prevalent. The enemy comes and he clothes himself in light so that he can deceive us. But Father, help us to know the truth, that, and the truth will set us free, to put this word deep down in our hearts, and to obey it, and to apply it to our everyday life, not just when we come together on Friday. And we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name.